3: Welcome back Bears fans to another episode of the Chicago Audible and welcome to our week 16 Chicago Bears postgame show as our Bears took care of business beating the Jacksonville Jaguars by the final score of 41 to 17 and if you would have told me that this other game would have panned out after the first half I probably would have believed you but I would have understood there was a lot of tough sledding ahead for our Bears but luckily with the Cardinals loss on Saturday the Bears win today does give them a true win and you're in situation here in week 17 which is best case scenario for the bears here at the end of week 16. I'm Russell DeWitt I'm joined by my co-host Nicholas Moriano Nick if you can summarize this game in one word what would it be?
4: That's a tough one Will um, because we have a tale of two halves right Um, the first and second half Um, I would say convincing uh, would actually be the word here. Because the Bears, yes, they struggled for a first half, and it was only a three-score game in halftime, but the score indicates exactly the game against the Jaguars. 41-17 to beat down, so convincing would be the word. It took a little bit, but it was a convincing win.
3: Your words convincing, I guess I would lean a little bit more towards confusing. Uh, very confused about what the Bears were doing in the first half uh, when it comes to their offense. Uh, it seemed like they went back to everything that we knew wasn't working, having Mitch drop back, stay in the pocket, not really leaning on the running game as much as we've seen in the past. Things changed in the third quarter, which I'm very grateful for, and I think Bears fans are as well, but to me it doesn't excuse the fact and it doesn't change the fact that whatever they were trying to do for the first half of this game was something that again, I don't understand why you would revert to try things that obviously weren't working earlier this season. And I know we're talking about in the live stream, you're saying Nick, well maybe they're trying some new things out. It wasn't anything new. It was just like, let's see if that broken offense somehow can work, and it wasn't. So for me, confusing, Uh, taking the strength of the opponent into the equation. I'm glad we won. I'm glad we're in the driver's seat still here entering this upcoming week. But with a much tougher opponent coming up, I'd be really interested to see what type of team, what type of performance we can get out of the Bears here with everything potentially on the the line, but let's go ahead and jump in and share our monster moments of the game, which of course could be the most crucial moments, the turning point, the difference maker, or maybe the biggest moment in our eyes. And for me, my monster moment this game, I'm going to give it to Roquan Smith and his interception with only eight seconds left in the first half. It was right after uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw a red zone interception. The Bears answered, at least Roquan did, by getting that interception. And then from that point on, the Bears, yes, they ended that half with a field goal, But more importantly, to me, it's the turning point because from that point on, the Bears did score 28 on answer points before that garbage time touchdown that they allowed here late in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to give my monster moment to Roquan Smith for that interception that helped kind of maybe change that game flow, that momentum, and put it more in the Bears' favor. Where at that moment, it was still kind of on the bounce and even kind of leaning a little bit more towards unfortunately, Jacksonville, but that's going to be mine. How about you, Nick? What's going to be your
4: Miller Lite Monster Moment here of Week 16? So I'll, I'll go with Roquan Smith's second interception. The one that happened, it was the second drive for the Jaguars. And look, the Bears had scored a touchdown and the previous and a touchdown right after that. But this interception, two plays in, it's Danny Trevathan tipping the ball. Roquan Smith gets it. And then what do the Bears do to capitalize? Well, two plays later, they score a touchdown themselves, and really put this game out of reach, 34-10 to 10 after that that um, touchdown coming off of Roquan Smith's second interception, and that was the touchdown to, to David Montgomery, or that was the Jimmy Graham pass just on the left sideline, uh, perfect pass by Trubisky, but that put the game out of the reach. It was, it, I, I think most people would say it was pretty much over by then. No way Jacksonville was going to come back from that, but uh, both of our monster moment plays involve a guy that was snubbed from the Pro Bowl and Roquan Smith, and I think you know he had a game to really showcase to the NFL hey, I'm one of the best linebackers in the league you really did
2: finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night, every night for a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
3: And it's an interesting timing uh, for him to have such a, you know, big, big, impactful plays like that, like the turnovers. We haven't seen a lot of those this season from this entire defense, but he did come away with a few key plays here throughout the afternoon and Nick, before we kind of jump into the remaining portions of our show, of course, we do need to let people know that the Monster Moment is brought to you by our friends over at Miller Lite. And here's the Chicago Audible. Throughout all of the years, our goal has been to bring Bears fans together all across the globe. And that's important to us. And it's more important now than ever. And whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste. It's always close by with the original light beer at Miller Lite. Who's always been there to bring people together through Miller time, which is why we're so excited to have this partnership there with them. And on top of that, again, I know everyone's celebrating these games a little bit differently or they're watching them a little bit differently than in the past or not at the stadiums as much or they're not having as big as gatherings. So whether in your man cave, your living room, the garage, or I know Nick, you're in your living room. I I watch these games right now throughout my office, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Wherever you're watching the game, again, it's always better with a Miller Lite because they are the only beer of the Chicago Bears. So no matter where you are watching this game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right. You're listening to the Chicago Audible postgame show. The Bears won 41 to 17 in a game that was both convincing and confusing. And we're rolling right through this postgame show. And Nick, before we talk about this Bears offense and jump into the second quarter of our show, do you have a stat that stands out to you when it's all said and done that was uh, you know, indicative of the type of game that we saw or just one that as you're watching or looking at the box score now that just really stands out to you?
4: Yeah, I think it's the, the number 10, and that was the number of receptions Allen Robinson had this game. And, well, while we were doing the live stream during the game with Mason West, it seemed like the Bears at any point in the game could run the slant pattern to Allen Robinson, either pick up the first down or get enough yards to set them up for maybe something else. But that 10th reception gave Allen Robinson 100 receptions on the season he also eclipsed a thousand receiving yards this game and if you guys noticed during the game it seemed like Allen robinson was just looking at that jaguar sideline almost after every catch just kind of reminding them look at me i'm one of the best receivers in the nfl but the number 10 just because alan robinson was literally open all day and i know he had the, the one touchdown that he couldn't bring his foot down in in bounds but ever since that play it was Allen robinson was on the entire game
3: That's interesting that you went with the number 10 because I did as well. But it's a different number 10. The stat that stands up to me the most right now are the 10 penalties that the Jaguars had today. Very undisciplined team. Uh, There's moments where Mitch was able to get him with the hard count, but there's a lot of special teams penalties from them as well, some key ones for their defense. And in many ways, they did help give uh, the Bears some additional help. Two of our first downs today did come off of penalties, but 10 penalties, 115 yards in the Bears' favor due to those penalties that Jacksonville had. So for me, that's the big thing that – kind of stands out now. There's some other ones that we'll talk about when we talk about uh, each side of the ball here throughout this episode, but just looking at how this game transpired and Jacksonville helping the Bears for the Bears team that throughout this season, they needed some of those additional assistances. Uh, the 10 penalties here from Jacksonville is the one that stands out over here on my end, Nick. But let's go ahead and jump into that second quarter of the show because I really want to talk about their Bears offense because it really was... Uh, Just a tale of two halves, not just uh, from a scoring perspective, the 13 points scored in the first half versus uh, the 28 in the second, but it just felt like a whole entirely different uh, game plan was thrown out here from one half to another. Wouldn't you agree?
4: Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I think it like it was confusing, like you mentioned Will, but also convincing in the second half, but the confusing part really happens what happened in the Bears first half, especially offensively. It seemed like to me that the Bears wanted to see if Mitchell Trubisky could be a pocket passer because you didn't see as many of the play action, bootleg, move the pocket type of plays and what we saw from Mr. Trubisky was a mixed bag, right? I mean, there were plays where he missed open receivers. Obviously, he has a really bad interception in the back right corner in the end zone, but that's what it seemed like to me that the Bears were kind of doing, just trying to just test it out, test out to see if Trubisky can add that element to his game. And, I mean, to me, well, it didn't seem like that was the best option moving forward because we saw what you, he could do in the second half going back to what they've been doing, moving the pocket and things. So, That was the most confusing part is exactly why. Is it just to test it out or like, I I really don't know.
3: Yeah. Again, uh, maybe they'll let us know, but I doubt it based off how these coaches have been. And and again, I don't think Nagy would even express what they were doing in that first half, but it wasn't what we've seen. And luckily they kind of went back to, I'll call it their roots in terms of the roots that they were building this offensive foundation over the past month. And I'm glad they did really turned on uh, in that third quarter, we scored how many times in the third quarter? Was it, was it three touchdowns? Like three touchdowns in the third quarter for a team that's had uh, that monkey on their back all season long in terms of being unable to find any points in the third quarter. Nick, when you think about that, you know that quarter here that kind of I would say opened up the game, or really just put it out of reach. Are there any plays or just any players that really just stand out to you? I know you talked about the Allen Robinson screen uh, slant pass that. You know, the Jacksonville had no answer for throughout this game, but is there anything else or other that does stand out to you now that's all said and done?
4: I think what you also saw more of, and not to say that you just saw more rushing attempts in general from David Montgomery in the second half. I think he had eight rushing attempts just in the third quarter alone. He had eight in the first half. But you saw just the outside zone runs, and you saw David Montgomery getting some good yards and doing what he's been doing, I think, for the majority of the season, but really as of late just... Getting those additional yards after contact, I think that was huge for the Bears. There was one second down run where David Montgomery should have been tackled for maybe a two yard, uh, two yard gain, but him and how he works, he gets to the outside edge on the left side. It gets a ten yard, it gets a first down running. But I think it was just going back. Like, look, we're gonna beat at dead horse here, will? But they went back to what worked, and that's that outside zone and just letting those offensive linemen, the interior, really work. And get David Montgomery running lanes in. You saw what happened once the Bears started playing their game. They started moving the ball, putting up points. Three touchdown drives, Will, in the third quarter. That's, again, uh, amazing to even, you know, uh, say because of what they've done in the third quarter all season. But thats what, they just went back to what has worked the past three to four weeks.
3: It's almost like they're trying to test themselves. Like, can we make this a close game? And then in the second half, pull away. Because, uh, again, it felt like they were just making it much more difficult on themselves early in this game than really than it needed to be. And one of those reasons was in the first half, they really didn't run it a lot. Only eight carries for David Montgomery in that first half. But then he had at least eight in that third quarter alone. Nick, to me, uh, this is evidence that this offense, as much as we want to hope it can go through a quarterback, it's going through its running game right now. It's going through David Montgomery.
4: Does that just further, further solidify that fact in your eyes as well? Absolutely. I think that's what this team should do because that sets Mitch Trubisky up for success. And I think if you can run the ball effectively, that play action and bootleg you know, um, schematic just works so much more effectively, I think. So absolutely, the, the Bears should run through David Montgomery. Go as far as he will take them. And if you do that, I think that just opens up things a little bit more where is really just have to focus on 32, and that'll give number 10, Mitch Trubisky, some opportunities to maybe take some, some shots downfield. For
3: sure, and you know we didn't see any Cordero Patterson in the offense here today. I know he was out there uh, potentially to return kicks. Actually, I think didn't he have one return by chance? No, yeah, one. He had one for 22 yards in this game, so he was out there, but he wasn't really acclimated to the offense. Instead, we saw some Ryan Nall uh, later on in the game. We saw Artavis Pierce get involved, which he had couple nice runs late in this game, including a touchdown, which, of course, this is a kid I've been high on since they signed him as an undrafted free agent. So this is awesome to see him finally get some involvement, uh, even if it's late here this season. Uh, but what's your thoughts on the lack of Cordero Patterson and the Bears, what they're trying to do to, without him? Obviously, he's been he – you lost to Reed Cohen, and that's been something the Bears have been struggling with all year, and they figured it out over the last month. And then he had Patterson, and that he, too, is starting to get himself a role – But then that got taken away. What's your thoughts on them going dominantly David Montgomery and then just sprinkling in some of these smaller backs on this roster?
4: You know, I think it's the right move, to be completely honest. Um, And I wonder if Cordell Patterson's role – was limited, especially because uh, again, I think he did avoid like a significant knee injury last mm-hmm. week against the Vikings. So just kind of limiting him a little bit. Obviously, he's a big factor in the return game and just on special teams in general, right? So I think the Bears knew in this one they could give some reps to Artavius Pierce or even Orion Ryan Null maybe one too many times and than we would have liked. But I think it's, if you're giving David Montgomery his his carries that he deserves in a game i have no question about about that um decision there so i think it was the right move specifically for this game but i think that'll change next week against green bay and i'm
2: finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
3: Glad that the offensive line, uh, in particular that left side, did start finding its groove because early on this game, they were struggling up front. It felt like the Jaguars' front four were just slippery, where the Bears could not key in and lock in on a few of these blocks, and Montgomery's getting contacted in the backfield, around the line of scrimmage. It felt very much like what we saw early on this year, but things did change. They kind of wore down that defense a little bit. I think that sort of was uh, put on display as well throughout this game. And Montgomery finished with 95 yards on 23 carries, a uh, big one of 26 early on in this game uh, in the first half, which that's where the majority of uh, his yards did come here in the first half. And I really like the speed that Artavis Pierce demonstrated as well, and I think Maybe that could be an additional wrinkle that the Bears can continue to look for as we get now one more week of guaranteed football. But then, again, the opportunity for some more games here down the stretch. Obviously, the Bears did find their way into the end zone a lot. They did score over 30 points now for the fourth straight game for the first time in our lifetime. I know it's been uh, quite some time since the Bears – uh, had something uh, close to this which is tremendous to, to watch Nick is there any lessons that you learned from this
4: game that you want to apply next week when it comes to Green Bay I think the the big thing w- with this win is that obviously we saw the success that the Chicago Bears had in the third quarter and the second half really when they ran their scheme with these play action bootlegs I'm just curious to see is Green Bay going to know how to stop that I think it's it's not like the most complex thing and it's, it's, I think you want to obviously take that with you to Green Bay next week, no doubt. But it's how the Bears are going to take this, that what they're doing, and maybe even build off of it for another wrinkle. Um, because, again, it's not the most complex scheme, but it's worked. so, And it's worked against bad defenses. And that's the only question I have with this, because that's why I think they tested Trubisky as a pocket passer, I think, a little bit more in the first half, because they probably know, like, we can we run this all the way – to you know, to potentially get into the playoffs and beyond, I don't know. At some point, you're gonna have to make po- uh, passes from the pocket, and we saw Trubisky miss some throws, like a Cole Komet uh, over over the middle. He was just sitting there wide open and just make some some questionable decisions. So, uh, you want to take what's worked, but you still got to be able to build off that a little bit. I think.
3: Yeah, I hope they didn't show the cards too much today. Where if they kind of tell Green Bay, hey, if you force us to play this way, we're really gonna struggle. The reason why I say that is, A, what we saw from the first half to the second. And even though I say that, though, Nick, I'm like, does it matter? I, does that actually change anything? Because I think we all knew the answer to that already. But it's just further evidence that they can't run an offense one certain way. It has to kind of look uh, a very particular way in order for it to even be something that can be cohesive, put up yards, put up points. And hopefully Green Bay doesn't find a way to take it away because that would make things very difficult for the Bears moving forward. I do want to talk about some players individually. Let's talk about Mitch to kind of kick things off. 24 or 35, uh, 265 yards through the air, about 7.6 yards per pass. His two touchdowns, his one interception, which was a red zone interception. So I think you have to put a little extra weight on that. Pass rating of 97.9. What would you just – Assess when you look at Mitch. What kind of game did you think he had? Obviously, when you look at the three total touchdowns, you get—I think—excited would be the
4: word I will use. Yeah, excited, and then like he, he just has those moments, Will, where you're you're wondering why why, and then that you you kind of see this is why Mitch Trubisky has all the scrutiny around him. When you you miss a like I mentioned the play, Cole Komet's wide open, sitting in between defenders, he, he oversales a six foot seven tight end. And then you have obviously that terrible interception. It's like there's so many people in that back right corner. Like you should know by now that that's not a good decision. But yet he still makes it. Then you also see the laser throw to Jimmy Graham in the left sideline. You're like, okay, here we go, Mitch Trubisky, or just running it off the play action boot to get that easy touchdown. Use the athleticism. So it's the you know the the, the ups and downs of Mitchell Trubisky. But I will say this: there are more ups. In this game, than we've seen in like some previous games where you're wondering, okay, just put Nick Foles in. But that wasn't, that was not the case. Mitch was clearly the best option for the Bears. And when they run that play action bootleg, he seems to be a competent QB. What was your thoughts on Mitch? Yeah, I mean, you're right.
3: It's confusing, right? It's really good play, but it was very sporadic as well. It's. But that's every quarterback, every offense. I mean, look what Kansas City was dealing with here today against the Falcons of all teams. So it does happen. Uh, the interceptions, one we talked about, uh, because he recovered it, we're not going to really talk about that fumble that he had. But ball security, too, continues to be an issue. And that against Green Bay, those kind of plays is the difference of a win and a loss. And that's why next week, I mean, every week you hope for a perfect game. But Mitch, he's going to have to be at his best level next week. And. We've seen some really good play out of him over the past month and I think next week's the week where you hope everything just comes together and it clicks and he can execute and perform against uh, a really good defense there and I do believe a lot of that does stem from the Bears rushing attack as well as we've talked about Nick Uh, David Montgomery 23 carries is that enough.
4: That's, I mean that's enough yeah but you would I think giving the ball to David Montgomery is just always a good decision and we know that he had 32 last week against Minnesota and career high in that in attempts and yards and did some very good things for the Bears offense but like they probably should have used him more in the first half to be completely honest uh, maybe they weren't getting the yards per carry but you commit to that run to set up things later and yeah 23 is an all right number. I'll go to all right now, to kind of switching my answer on you, Will, but you can give David <laughs> Montgomery the ball a little bit more than that, I think.
3: Yeah, it felt like the first half is when I really thought they had some more of those opportunities to give him the football, and they just didn't do it. But luckily they they learned that lesson, and they went back to him in the second half, and things really were just rolling in that second half. I mean, you have an 11-play 77-yard touchdown, another 8-play 54-yard touchdown drive, then another two-play, 25-yard touchdown, a nine-play, 48-yard. I mean, you're going touchdown drive after touchdown drive after touchdown drive, so it's really hard to really get too nitpicky when it's all said and done. I think what we were hoping for is just more clean play from start to finish to going up against a team that only had one win. And I know you put your finger up, so what's the point you wanted to add in here?
4: Yeah, well, I think we need to talk about the drive, the second Bears offensive drive that ended in a field goal because, remember, that all started, it was first and goal at the one-yard line, And then it's that Jet kind of sweep handoff to Cole Komet, right? And they lose, what, three yards on the play. And they were, again, at first and goal at the one. And it's, again, I think Matt Nagy had the play sheet at that time. People were like, oh, is he calling the plays? I don't think that was the case. But, you know, that's an instance where the Bears got away from – or tried to be too cute, right? I mean, Jets – Cole Komet's not the fastest guy. If that was a Darnell Mooney maybe on that play – I think I like it a little bit better, but schematically, you're at the one, and you have David Montgomery, your offensive line. Maybe wasn't playing the best up to that point, but they've been playing well the past three, four games, and you know they could generate some push. Just give it to David Montgomery. Let him see what he get. Do a QB sneak. Well, that hasn't really worked for the Bears. I, I backtrack on that, but... You're at the one, let's not try a jet motion handoff to to a Cole Komet, and the Bears do end up getting a field goal on that drive. So that's me nitpicking because they do get points, but they easily could have had a touchdown on that drive, I think, if you just hand off the David Montgomery even two times in a row and see what happens.
3: That's a really good you know, point to kind of pick out where there are times of getting still too cute, overthinking some items. And I like, again, I'm, we argued about this a little bit on the live stream because I like, the play where you're already up by a couple scores. You're going up against a team that's won one game. So if you wanted to try something else, okay. I don't like giving commit the ball behind Trubisky because then you're putting him more in the backfield. If he was more like a pop pass in front, like we kind of saw with Trey Burton before, I think that's something that can work uh, a little bit easier. And, again, you're not risking as many yards in the backfield. So I like the idea. I don't like the complete design and the execution on that specific play, but luckily from that point forward, the Bears did find themselves, like I said, uh, pretty much uh, with a full head of steam here on offense, and the fact that they found the red zone, though, Nick, six times today, I think is a good evidence of uh, their ability A, to move the ball, but the defense, too, did help them with some really good short fields, and they were able to play some of that complementary football that's been very sporadic throughout uh, this entire Chicago Bears season, but the Bears did put up uh, as an offensive unit today 391 total yards They have to about 5.6 yards per play. Uh, on top of that looking at some uh, receivers now they didn't spread the ball out as much as uh, we've seen so far in the past. At the end of the first quarter there was only like four players with targets and we finished today I believe with five, six uh, you're looking at A-Rob with the bulk of 13 targets his 10 catches 103 yards then you have Jimmy Graham Darnell Mooney David uh, David Montgomery a little bit of Cole Komet and then a a little bit of Anthony Miller so they were able to kind of spread it out more in the second half and obviously Nick that kind of goes back to our point of that's what's working is that boot action spreading the ball around getting out getting other guys involved uh, like an Anthony Miller like a Cole Komet just a, a little bit more and even hitting David Montgomery for some easy passes as well so that's what I'm excited for when it comes to next week, if they can kind of build on that. But is there a player or two that stands out to you uh, through the air today? I know Darnell Mooney had himself a couple of nice runs after the catch, a couple of key blocks. But by and large, it was a lot of Allen Robinson. And then give it to Jimmy Graham uh, when he get closer inside the red zone
4: yeah well i'm actually going to take this a uh, completely different approach it's a player that stands out but i guess for the wrong reasons or the lack of targets like anthony miller th- this whole entire stretch where the bears have been scoring lots of points right um you're looking at this game two two receptions for 10 yards the previous previously against minnesota one reception for 13 yards and even against houston the 36 to 7 blowout two receptions 16 yards it, the offense has been working for the Bears, no doubt, and actually Anthony Miller's had some key like pickups on some of those receptions, but I wonder if that's... You need everybody, right? And I wonder for Anthony Miller, who's the guy that plays with his emotions on his sleeves, we all know that, if this is kind of a frustrating time for him. I know the Bears are winning, and that's what really counts, but he's not a part of this offense like maybe a lot of people... This is supposed to be his breakout year, right? People are writing articles... Uh, about Anthony Miller having that breakout season. But even with the Bears putting up a boatload of points, he's not really a factor whatsoever. Look, his first target, what I think was in the third quarter, was that fade route, was incomplete. But then he gets a little eight yard reception on the left sideline. And I mean, it wasn't very much of Anthony Miller this game, or really the previous three to four weeks. And going into Green Bay, a must win game. Like, do you think that? Anthony Miller should have more involvement in this offense. The offense worked, but don't you think they need a guy like that, a second-round draft pick who you're expecting to have a little bit more from? You would think.
3: Uh, at this stage of his career, you would think. But watching him and watching his career and just being as involved as you and I have been, I don't expect anything different. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a surprise to me to see him being so far down there in the target share. And The weird thing is, though, he still does, you know, he's catching them. He's just not, for some reason, they don't want him on the field that much. And I know they've been kind of going away from those three wide receiver sets that they were doing earlier this season, which I'm sure does carve into that role that he did once have. But obviously when you're on the field right now, you want Mooney, you want Robinson, and then if you're looking at a third receiver, that would be Anthony Miller. But right now they've been, at least today, they really like their tight ends. And they really liked Darnell Mooney as well. Get, trying to get him to ball a few different ways. And Nick, what about the play? Uh, one I want to make sure. The one with Pierce when they had three running backs in the game. You had Nall. You had Pierce and David Montgomery out of like a Wildcat thing. That was interesting.
4: Yeah, the Bears have been doing, like you mentioned in the live stream, well, they've been doing that Wildcat at least once a game where it's Montgomery getting that direct snap. And they've seemed to, you know, get some good yards from that kind of play formation. And, I think that that's a little obviously Matt Nagy using his creativity that he was known for and it's it's worked so I won't you know harp on it or anything like that because they're getting positive yards out of it and giving the defense another look to just something to think about right but yeah that's uh, another little wrinkle that you have to look out for at some point in the game when you play the Bears offense it's good to see Jimmy
3: Graham get involved uh, as we mentioned Uh, his two touchdowns today I believe that ups the Jaguars total of touchdowns, a lot of tight ends. I talked about in the preview show, they allowed 11 touchdowns to tight ends heading into this week. That's up to 13 now. Obviously the Bears were aware of the Jaguars' inability to stop tight ends in the red zone, and they were like, well, we have a tight end that's a red zone threat, and I'm happy they didn't overly complicate that one because that one was uh, something that was obvious, clear and obvious that you can find a way to get it done. I think a lot of Bears fans were hoping that would have been more of commit than Jimmy Graham today, but at the end of the day, the dude had another two touchdowns in the red zone, which is it's hard to dismiss uh, some of that production. Again, not the vast amount of yards, although he did come up with 70 yards today from Jimmy Graham, 69 uh, technically, but still a very a high output day for a guy that's been getting his role decreased on his offense too. So it's good to see him not bounce back, but just get more acclimated yet again so you know he can be a potential – threat in this offense still, and it's not just going to be the Cole Comet show, because two tight ends is really what does help make this offense go as well. Is there anything else about this offense that we
4: should discuss here, Nick, today? Just to add one more thing about Jimmy Graham, you see like how he got the, the really big play down the right sideline. It's off play action, then it's a wheel route that Jimmy Graham kind of runs, and the linebacker completely forgets about him, And he's wide open, catches it, catch and run.
2: Finally,
4: And then even with the touchdown, the DB falls, and it's just matchup. Just getting your your guys. Uh, Jimmy Graham, is even though he's older, doesn't have that speed that he does, he's still a, a problem for, for defensive back. So I liked how they targeted Jimmy Graham and obviously used him because it, it catered to his play set at this age and what he can do in his career. But obviously you can see he can impact the game in the red zone. And even when you – you know scheme it up right he can get you some yards after catch which is exactly what the bears are probably hoping for and why they signed him to that two-year 16 million dollar contract so when
3: it comes to next week against green bay let's run the offense that they ran in the second half today what we've been hoping for or what we've been seeing is do what works force the defense to stop it and so far and i know the caliber of defenses that we've been going up against in this last you know winning streak that we put together and really just when the bears have kind of clicked on offense, they haven't been great defenses by any means, you know, more like bottom tier average besides Minnesota. I I think you have to just go with it. You know, you cut the field in half, you do the play action, you do the boots, you do a lot of the motion, you do a lot of the crossing routes, put that congestion out there, get guys open. And on top of that, go back to the Allen Robinson slant play. That is obviously something that's worked really well today, and it's simple. You get them inside leverage in a one-on-one matchup, and you can get some easy yards. Is there anything else? I mean, obviously running the ball a lot with David Montgomery and getting him his touches, and we'll talk about it a lot more in the preview, but as I stand here today, if you want to get yourself into the playoffs, you just got to keep doing what you've been doing, uh, and it's everything that we've said so far, and f- you just find a way to make sure Green Bay can't stop it.
4: No, I mean, that should be the mindset for the Bears. I, the only other thing, and this is going to sound a little harsh, like, take away the opportunities where Mitch Trubisky really has to think. Like, I, honestly, where he has to, again, look at this defense, decide, okay, where's the hole at? When he has to be a pocket passer, limit those opportunities for him because we saw that he can make mistakes. And you're, I'm so glad that you brought up the, the, the fumble that, you know, Mitch did end up recovering because – you can't have those costly turnovers. I know it's the Jaguars, and maybe you can make up for it on another drive, but not against Green Bay, and I don't care if they're resting their starters. We've seen games where, what was it, the John Fox era, where the Bears had to beat Brett Hundley, and they couldn't do that at home at Soldier yep. Field. It was a big game. We've seen it happen, people. So you got to limit the mistakes, and I think you can limit those mistakes if you take Mitch Trubisky out of the equation becoming a just processing the entire field cut in half, and that goes to what has been working the past couple of games.
3: Now, we got to talk about this Bears defense, but you brought up a good point about the Brent Hundley game. Are you concerned if Green Bay does get themselves that by, that they maybe they arrest some people that the Bears could underestimate the opponent, and which obviously would be a huge mistake, and I don't know if what we saw in the first half was something similar here today, but I would be fearful if Green Bay does want to arrest some people that the Bears would maybe intentionally take their foot off the gas unnecessarily and, unfortunately, it would be prematurely.
4: Yeah, well, we've seen, like, this kind of instance happen. Like, that game is one of them. The first half of this game is another one where the Bears just come out flat. And this is not – this wouldn't be the first time. So if that were to be the case, like, I'm going to be on edge because we know what the Bears are capable of doing. They can look like this first-half team that only had a three-point lead on the Jaguars, or, you know, they can have some success and cause turnovers and, you know, score some points. But that's absolutely something that I think I'll be thinking about. I know you'll be thinking about. Well, all Bears fans should be, like, it doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers is not starting for the Packers next week. You're still concerned about that game against the Packers because it's the Packers and it's the Bears. So we we all know the history and what those games have been like, but absolutely.
3: Yeah, it's one of those where, I don't know. You don't wanna say I want Green Bay at their best, because obviously if you could go up against lesser talent, it's awesome. That's helpful in our case here, but from a mental standpoint, you hope that they would treat it like every is out there if we do get to that point. I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We have some games to still play out here this afternoon, but we have to start looking at some scenarios and I do see that the Rams are beating the Seahawks already by the score of it's early, but three to zero in that game. Before we get All the way out of offense, though, Uh, they were 2-for-2 on fourth down when it mattered, uh, which I think that's something that we should hang our hats on here today. 6-of-12 on third down, so they converted on 50%, which, again, for a Bears offense, that's third worst in the NFL. Uh, That's another good percentage that you like to see. And they were going up against the defense that only allowed 44%. So it is something where they did go above the average, which is good. Is there anything uh, special on third down that you saw or any patterns that you picked up on that uh, you wanted to mention here? I just thought. Obviously, things work today more than we've seen so far.
4: You no, know, I'll just mention one of the third down plays because there was an article written by Kevin Fishbane what the Bears have done after calling timeouts, and the Bears called a timeout prior to a third and two play. And the Bears haven't really been that successful on third down plays um, when they called a timeouts. But what they did is they just went the slant to Allen Robinson. So, like, seeing that you know what works, and you talked about having um, that inside leverage on defender if that's all it takes, don't overthink yourselves. I think we saw in the goal line play to commit, and we saw that bits and pieces at times throughout this game, but if you do what works, and it's been working the past couple of weeks, I think you'll be fine whether it's third down or, you know, in the beginning of a drive, but that, that's just one I wanted to point out. Alright, really good stuff
3: there, Nick. Before we head into the third quarter of the show and talk about the Bears defense, do you want to let people know how they can get a shout-out on our final regular season preview episode of the year?
4: Yeah, that's crazy to say. It's a, it happened so fast, but if anybody wants to get a shout-out on this final preview episode for the regular season, here's how you can make that happen. You can either send us a donation through Venmo or PayPal, and at Venmo, the handle is at the Chicago Audible. On PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com PayPal. And every single donation just helps to to run this show. Hopefully, it gets my end right, whether it's software or just streaming in terms of equipment as well, the microphone that we use, the cameras, the headphones, all that. um, You know, we can point to the donations that we've received in the past that have helped us get to where we are at this point. But again, if you want to send us a donation at Venmo, at the Chicago Audible, or through PayPal, www.chicagaaudible.comslash PayPal. All right, let's move on, keep this show
3: rolling and moving forward, and let's talk about this Chicago Bears defense that second-half defense, just like the second-half offense, played much better than what we saw early on in this game. We saw Mike Glennon moving the ball down the field, uh, putting together some decent drives, and unfortunately coming up, coming away with some points here, uh, some scoring drives for Jacksonville early on. What the heck was
4: happening, Nick? I think, Will, what's been a problem all season for the Bears, regardless of the opponent, is the the lack or the consist- consistency of a pass rush. Where Mike Lennon is, look, he's not going to extend plays. He's not going to use his legs to beat you, anything like that. So he's a pocket passer. And all you have to do is collapse that pocket and get in his face, and he's not going to be able to make plays. And really, don't you don't even have to do all that for him to not make plays. Mike Lennon. But the Bears... Made Mike Glennon, I think, feel comfortable in this one, Will. What, he was sacked one time, if I'm not mistaken? One time, yes. and that came off of uh, a Danny Trevathan blitz, so they had to manufacture the pressure. It wasn't the, the edge rushers, Cleo Mack or Robert Quinn their one-on-ones, even Bilal Nichols or Akeem Hicks. These guys weren't consistently getting in the face of Mike Glennon, I think, like going into this Week 17 matchup. That's concerning because we've yes. seen this for, for the Bears defense, not uh, just create pass rush and look they were giving up some yards to the running i can't pronounce the running backs name still will but for the jacksonville jaguars in the beginning they definitely were so the two things that we saw have been spotty all season they were their ugly hat their ugly head in this first half against the jaguars and that is a little concerning
3: okay so we'll break this down piece by piece because i think there are real concerns on this side of the ball Uh, And obviously they were able to turn things around a bit, but also the offense was the one kind of putting this game on their back with these multiple scoring drives, time-consuming drives, to really help put this game away, to put it to bed in the second half. But when you look at this defense, uh, to the running back that we're not going to dare say his name. There is his first name, by the way, so we can do that. See, there we go, Nick. Uh, He had 71 yards on 14 carries. That comes out to an average of 5.1. Now, what's concerning about this is their number one running back, James Robinson, he was out. Uh, we thought that he was going to try to give it a go. He didn't. He uh, you know, was like 77% of all the team's rushing yards this season. And no other running back on this roster had more than seven attempts on the entire year entering this game. But then Dare came out. The Jaguars want to run the ball, and they're moving that ball consistently, gashing this Bears defense right up the gut. Uh, like we've seen on uh, too many times this season, especially late here as we kind of get through the later stages of the year. So that's one issue that I want to discuss, and we already talked about the lack of a pass rush. Uh, and if you do the same thing that we did today, which was not making any sort of havoc in the pocket, Aaron Rodgers is going to pick this defense apart next week, and that's going to be— we may be looking at the only way—a path to victory could be a shootout, which— this Bears offense may be able to, but that's not really the best case scenario for this team. We need the defense to really step its game up. Are you worried about the defensive front after today? Because you mentioned it, the one sack, they only had three tackles for a loss the entire game. Oh, sorry, they had two tackles for a loss the entire game. And this is a Jaguars team that had one win, Mike Glennon at quarterback, and a running back that again only had like four or five carries entering this contest on the entire season yet they couldn't really win those matchups up front and this has been an offensive line that they gave up five sacks last week to uh, when minchu was under center to the baltimore ravens i just felt like the bears should have been
4: able to do more in the trenches today than they did it is absolutely a concern and it's something that i'm looking forward like next week is not I don't think it's going to be a good game uh, as well for this front seven, to be completely honest, because that's one of the better offensive lines in the league. And it's all going to depend on, you know, who's actually under center for the Green Bay Packers. But still, Aaron Jones is on that team. Jamal Williams is on that team. They could run the ball. They did in that first matchup against the Bears, and they were not able to contain the run. It was easy pickings for the Green Bay Packers. And seeing that the Jaguars of all teams did this, and they also lost their left tackle, like, early in the game. I don't know if he came back um to in this matchup but that is concerning will and there's nothing i don't know if there's really anything the bears can do to mitigate the, the holes that they have uh when it's trying to stop the run or trying to try to find some pass rush yes you can run stunts and get people moving around for pass rush but the run game i think it is what it is at this point there are games like they could stop houston right which is the worst rushing attack in that game yeah you could stop them great but um dalvin cook and obviously being a very good running back minnesota didn't do that couldn't i mean you're giving up five point whatever yards per carry it is to a running back that we can't pronounce his last name like come on now this is that is a concern and if you know does it doesn't play out the way that the bears wanted to tonight with the seahawks and rams oh that if it's a shootout that's going to happen for the week 17 to get the bears in the playoffs yeah i don't know how i'm feeling about that one
3: It's going to be – that's tough sledding uh, to say the least. But, yeah, Nick, it's concerning because this run defense, we've talked about it, super inconsistent this season. This should have been a game where they shouldn't have had much issue. And the reason why these numbers aren't worse is because we got that lead in the third quarter. So then they did have to step back and try to come back through the air here. Uh, So for me, it's one of those where I'm grateful the game kind of flowed the way it did. Because you could have been looking at a game where the Bears allowed 120-plus on the ground to this Jaguars team, which is, that would have been just atrocious to kind of watch unfold. So that's one issue. And then, of course, the lack of a pass rush is yet another. And I think both of those combined next week, if they both show up, it's just a recipe for potential disaster for the Bears. So got to make sure things kind of get cleaned up here. And I know we had some, you know, we had there's a bad drive from Kendall Vildor where he allowed multiple catches to allow the Jaguars to go down the field to score a touchdown, which I believe was uh, one of their first first half touchdowns in like three weeks. So that's another issue. And then on top of that too, I know they have some young guys out there today, but there's uh, you know Travis Gibson out there making uh, some mistakes, a personal foul penalty on him as well, and some young guys struggling today, which. It's going to happen, but obviously that makes you want uh, your guys like Robert Quinn to step up so you don't have to have Gibson on the field too much as the edge rusher. And then, of course, Vildor, if you can get Jalen Johnson back. Is, like, Vildor, again, he had that one bad drive, and outside of that he played better, so I'm not trying to completely tear him down. but And there are drives we've seen Jalen Johnson have that are very similar, but I think we both would like to see uh, Jalen out there sooner rather than later. But are there any other individuals, good, bad, or otherwise, that stood out to you today?
4: i think duke shelley had another decent game well we thought look he he has uh i think it was coleman or cole for the the slot receiver for the jaguars he he's a second secondly receiver for for the team but you didn't really hear much of him his name being called when duke shelley was there in at the nickel spot but that young secondary and you just mentioned vildor and duke shelley if they have to go another week uh week 17 and be the starters i'm Right, I'm far more comfortable with Duke Shelley at the nickel spot than I am with Kendall Vildor. And I'm only saying this because I think the Packers will recognize this. Yes, Devontae Adams can line up. And so I know this postgame show is going into the next week, too, but.
1: How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo
2: advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client.
1: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services. Getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
4: That's kind of what it is at this point. We're really looking um, to see what happens there. But Devontae Adams is going to tear up Vildor. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, that's going to happen. He's a fantastic wide receiver. And they'll put him – and Duke Shelley's going to get tested, too, in the nickel spot as well – and if you cannot manufacture any type of pass rush, asking those young guys to guard whoever it is for, for the Green Bay Packers, you're asking for bad things to happen. So this pass rush really needs to step up to save the, the young cornerbacks that the Bears have because they will get exposed. And it didn't happen this week for Duke Shelley. It started to happen on that one drive in the touchdown to DJ Chark to Vildor. But I guarantee that the Bears can't get any pass rush and number twelve is back there throwing the ball. Those two will get exposed and it will not be good. Hoping Jalen Johnson can give it a go next week. All right,
3: switching gears to a positive. Let's talk about Roquan Smith. Obviously, he led the team today in tackles. That's a given each and every week with eight today. Uh, also the two interceptions as well coming in clutch, coming, you know, finding a way to make some of those advantageous big time plays. It's been really uh, lacking for this defense this season uh, in terms of getting some of these key turnovers uh, in opportune time so I'm glad to see that and on top of that after his first interception, he did look like he was shaken up a, a little bit and we're fearful it could have been something uh, significant uh, just based off how his arm was moving and things like that but luckily it was minor and after the half he came back in and was able to finish off this game so obviously roquan Nick he did not like the fact that he was snubbed from the pro Bowl at least it felt like
4: it today. Absolutely, I think we saw a lot of what makes Roquan Smith just special. You saw the sideline to sideline tackling, the ability to catch the ball and create turnovers. The only thing that that was kind of missing, and you mentioned the stat earlier, like the tackles for loss. Really, none of the linebackers or any of the the Bears defenders came in a position to have that. I think, I guess you got to credit the Jacksonville for not be, putting themselves in a position for that. But Roquan Smith has just been a fantastic linebacker for for the Bears really taking that next step because now we all know Danger Vance is the one that will leave the field on third downs. Roquan Smith is calling the plays and being that coverage linebacker and he has excelled all season and seeing him get a couple of interceptions after being snubbed from the Pro Bowl was, you know, a good gift for, for him and just for I think Bears fans in general.
3: Is there anything about the defense today that stood out to you for me, when I reflect on the game there's not a lot. It wasn't like the Jaguars did anything special uh, to take advantage of this defense. It didn't seem like, at least in the first half, that the defense was taking it. Not, not, I don't want to say that they weren't taking it seriously, but they were playing a little softer uh, than I we thought they would come out. A little bit more flat uh, than ideally with what how the, the Cardinals lost, and you knew it was at stake. But I'm glad that things kind of turned around, but... On both sides of the ball, this is a game that's hard to draw any. I don't even think we need to draw any conclusions on each side, but because just with the type of opponent we're playing, the one-win team, is there anything positive or negative, and either player-specific or a, a general sense that you think is worth our time here? Because I'm struggling, man. It was it was one of those games where a lot happened, but nothing happened. At
4: least on at least from my perspective right now. No, that's a good way to put it, Will. I think what was a little frustrating to see, maybe it was just a couple of plays to Vildor, but the cushion that the receivers, or just how the defense is kind of called, I I would say, for Chuck Pagano. Because we've seen all season, like the cushion that these DBs or just the defense in general gives some of these receivers for the underneath stuff to pick up some of those easy first downs. Especially a
3: third down, that was an issue today because they allowed the Jaguars to go 5 of 12 on third down. And this is a defense going up against a Mike Glennon led Jaguars offense without their number one playmaker uh, in James Robinson. There should have been no excuse for them to have some of those easy third downs. And it felt like they're allowing the Jaguars to come back on third and longers. And obviously any opponent you want to, if you're in third and seven plus get off the field. But there are a few times today, Nick, where you're watching the game, you're a few plays ahead of me and you're like, man, he got that. I'm like, really? Like, I was excited in my notes. when so would like, oh, it's like 3rd and 7. I'm like, sweet. And then they end up just allowing it to happen.
4: Yeah, we saw on the very first drive for the Jaguars, it's 3rd and 12. It's a good throw by Mike Glenn, a good catch by, I think it was Chark on that one, and Fuller's in coverage. But, I, you know what, Will? I think everything really goes back to the lack of the pass rush because even a guy, you give a guy like Mike Glenn some time, he's going to, he might he might find somebody. It doesn't mean the throw is actually going to get to that receiver. But you get the point. It's like, the bears need this pass rush to really step up and that's asking for a lot at this point in the season we're going to week 17 and we're still preaching for the pass rush to be more consistent most likely it's not going to happen i don't know if like energy or like the you know playoff atmosphere again it'll be there in soldier field next week but it needs to be there because i think it kind of covers up some of these coverage holes that you that we've been seeing or these these um easy dink and duck passes by quarterbacks and you know, extending drives for these opposing offenses. So it's a lot to ask for, but come on, pass rush. We, we need you to really pick it up, right? At least for next week. Just get us to the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens.
3: Well, no, if we get into the playoffs, they need to pick it up every week from that point on so we can make a serious go uh, at this thing. But I don't have anything further on this defense, if you don't, uh, after this game.
4: No, that was it. Uh, again, it was a lot of nothing. But, hey, 17 points to the Jaguars. It might be a little bit too much, honestly. But, yeah, we'll, we'll take it.
3: Yeah, seven of them did come in garbage time. I think the 10 in the first half is what really kind of, you know, grinded our gears as we're watching it uh, just because it was not a lot of resistance. But glad things kind of turned itself around, which means it's time to jump into the final quarter of our postgame show. And we'll do our quick hit on special teams uh, besides – Pat O'Donnell continuing to almost get a vacation here over the past few weeks. Uh, He was used a a little bit more than, uh, he was what, three punts, but I think two came pretty late in this game, if I'm not mistaken. So another one where he had a big stretch in between punts. So the Bears are doing a good job of uh, putting together consecutive scoring drives or at least crossing uh, midfield, getting into scoring territory uh, more so than they're not, which is awesome because earlier in the year it was the complete opposite um, but what about you, Nick? Obviously, we have uh, Santos continuing uh, his streak as well, which maybe uh, yet uh, that's the other big point. And I know there's one more that you may want to throw out.
4: No, I mean uh, the Santos. I think what they were they were chip shots for a field goal kicker. What I think one was a 20 yarder, um, if I'm not mistaken, a 20 yard field goal, and then at yeah at the Jacksonville two, and then you have the one right before halftime where the Jacksonville defense just. You know, gave Cole Komet those free extra yards that he got right before um, halftime. But I think the one that you're alluding to, Will's what? What are the Bears going to really do with their punt returner position? Because I think we we saw what it, I, I'm blanking on on the man's name, and he put the ball on the ground. T- it was a nasty hit, but um, like a punt returner, it just seems like Carter. There you go. Um, like you know how you used to feel about um, the kicker going out there whether before Santos like you're a little shaky that's how I am with the punt returner right now I just don't know what you know Carter or whoever's back there's going to do they're gonna put the ball on the ground they're gonna let the ball go ball like not catch the ball like there's a lot of things that I'm just thinking about as that ball's in the air and seeing that w- if it is Carter you know just fair catching like that puts me at ease because I'll just take that at this point but I think like we were talking about Anthony Miller not being very involved in the offense maybe try him at punt returner. He can be a factor there possibly.
3: Yep. Yeah, it's uh like we said, like maybe Miller could be, if he's not going to be involved, what's the risk, but Carter himself. Mm, not so much. Yes. Nagy is in the chat, letting us know it is the Andre Carter uh, as well, but I don't have anything <laughs> further. I know Santos. He is, uh, is it tied with Robbie now
4: for the 24? That's where we stopped the, the counter during the, the, during the live stream. Yep, he's at 24. He needs two more, I believe, to, again, tie Robbie Golds at 26 for consecutive field goals made. But,
2: I, again, I mean, we, one I, more
4: to break the single-season record. There you go. And, honestly, I'm kind of hoping uh, Cairo Santos has to wait until next year to kind of break that because that means the Bears are hopefully scoring touchdowns.
3: There you go. I, I like the way you look at it there, Nick. Uh, we'll see how it all kind of shakes out here today. Uh, Let's move on a little bit further throughout our show, kind of start to wrap things up here. Nick, let's call an audible. If there's one thing that you would take away from today's game or you would like to have a redo on, what would it be?
4: I think this is going to be the the consensus one here, Will, but it's Mitch Trubisky's interception, right? I'm trying to find exactly, was that on a first down play too? Let's check it out here. Yep, um, let's see, first down play trubisky's intercepted so and the bears are at the jacksonville 13 yard line right so that's just one where it's inexcusable um in terms of how they play even you know went how how the play happened where trubisky's to his left he comes all the way back to his right and then he decides let me throw this ball into a crowded end zone and see what if his playmaker can make a play it's just not a good decision and you at this point like you just he can't give away the game and at any possession and you can't do that against green bay but a first down play at the jacksonville 13 yard line a terrible interception by trubisky that's easily the one i call an audible just throw the ball out of bounds live to live for the next two three downs and see what happens
3: that's a really strong one it's hard to go against that because the drive prior is the one with the the botched first and goal from the one making it too complicated so they have to settle for that field goal and then when Mitch throws that interception, it's still a 10-10 game. So really, between putting keeping points on the field by settling for the field goal, and then when you throw a red zone interception on first down, you're really enabling your lesser talented opponent to stay in this ball game and keep it, I was going to say close, but it was tied uh, at that juncture of the game. So uh, like you, Nick, I'll give rid of that Mitch interception. And we'll see what happens from there. Luckily, Roquan, honestly, though, luckily, Roquan canceled that out real quick and gave the Bears another opportunity uh, in which they were able to at least get a field goal uh, before half. So that at least mitigated some of the damage. So it wasn't a huge backbreaking type of play, um, but it did have the potential to, to be one. Uh, unfortunately for us uh with that play but luckily we have roquan smith on defense to kind of help smooth some things over there but nick who's going to be your week 16
4: most valuable bear i have to give it to Allen robinson well i think again seeing what he was able to do today and um the stats speak for itself but he was um an easy you know completion i think for for mr Trubisky in this game you just had to look for him on the slant route and I think that he just provides some security and some consistency uh, for this Bears offense. And look, they put up 41 points. So a lot of people were involved in making this happen, but Al- and Alan Al Robinson actually didn't get into the end zone today, but I think he was a big part of the reason why the other guys did. And I, I just think that he set the Bears offense up for success, making some people, you know, miss with some yards after catch, even on some of those slants. So he's a reliable target. The Bears are far better with him and, Man, I, I'm wondering, maybe projecting too far ahead, but it would be nice to have him back next season. It, it really
3: would be. His 10 catches, again, 103 yards today, and a, a lot of key catches uh, in crucial moments in one-on-one situations via that patented Allen Robinson slant route that we saw today. I know I had A-Rob as my predicted
4: MVB. Who did you predict to be MVB? Do you remember? Uh, I think I had David Montgomery, If I if I'm not mistaken. I think that's who it was. I'm I'm actually
3: leaning towards David Montgomery. He didn't have the biggest that day, only the 95 yards on the ground. He did have another 26 uh, as a receiver, so he had over 100 yards today. And the reason why I'm leaning towards David Montgomery was in the first half, I didn't think they used him enough. And when they did kind of get back to what's worked, which is, again, leaning on number 32 and feeding him as well, both as a runner as well as a receiver, That's when the offense opened up. That's when they were able to score points. That's when things got easier for Mitch. And I think it all does stem from David Montgomery's success. It makes the defense honor the run, allows that play action to be more effective. And then from that point forward, things just got easier for the bears. The more they put the ball in number 32's hands, the easier things get. And I think that's very valuable. And so for that reason, I'm going to give him my MVP. So we got a flip flop there, Nick, you give it to the guy I thought it would go to. And uh, I patted you in the back as well and gave it to uh, your prediction. But A-Rob is a very uh, a very strong one. And honestly, if you didn't go A-Rob, uh, he was already on my uh, my list to be my number one guy. But I wanted to give people uh, a different perspective here. Are we wrong to not give it to Mitch with his three total touchdowns today?
4: No, we're not wrong. I think, um, if anything, Mitch almost kept the Jaguars in a game at one point. Uh, we also forgot someone mentioned in the chat, but there could have easily been a pick six on the safety coming it was a pass intended to Cole Komet right over the middle of the field off of you know under center play action pass. Safety just drops it. Um but I think there were times where Mitch's play helped out the Jaguars, but obviously he was a big part of the Bears win as well. I will give him that credit. But he had some of those plays where you're just shaking your head wondering why is he making that that pass, that decision.
3: Yeah, there were there were a few of those, Nick, when you're like, No like
4: was that a good <laughs> nick impression there on the spot it's pretty close yeah um i don't know just some of those plays just get me so animated sometimes and that's just how i'm wired i
3: guess yeah that, that's nick that's the nick that uh you know i've grown to know here over the years but let's go ahead we can jump into our uh, two minute warning here nick so as we kind of jump in for our two minute warning uh obviously take it from any frame of reference
1: does a robot know you like a neighbor
4: really hard not to look forward to next week no absolutely it's uh it's exciting it's bears packers bears win they're in and this is after a six game losing streak where i was writing articles where you have to blow up everything and you know maybe that's still in the question but right now the whole focal point of this last regular season game against the green bay packers at soldier field is to win because you get into the dance you have an opportunity to maybe pull off an upset. Who knows? But you just have to take care of business, and you got to do that regardless of what happens as a result of, of this game between the Rams and Seahawks, how the Packers play it out. If they're starting Aaron Rodgers, they're starting that, that first-team unit, whatever it is, the Bears need to put themselves in a position. They can't come out like they did this first half against the Jaguars. You do that against the Green Bay Packers, who are if they lose, let's say they lose tonight, they're going to be fighting for you know, a first-round bye week 17 against the Bears so they have as of right now they have everything to play for so don't wait on anybody else to change that scenario the Bears just need to take care of business and they got blown out destroyed embarrassed on national television the first time and as Bears fans I think we've all been accustomed to the Green Bay Packers honestly whooping the Bears ass and it's time that the Bears get into the playoffs by giving them the, the beat down that I think they kind of deserve at this point Right? It's been way too long that the Bears have been the little brother of this rivalry. Far too long. So I really want to see that happen. I know everyone's going to be antsy about just next week and just waiting for this game. Let's see. Depending on what happens tonight, it might get flexed. Like This is a matchup where uh, I don't think anyone would have been expecting, given what this Bears in 2020 season's been like. But I'm glad we're here. I'm glad the Bears have a shot. They're in the driver's seat, and it's coming down to the end here. They just have one game to win, and they're in. Let's see if the Chicago Bears can make that happen.
3: Let's hope, man. Let's really hope. I'll start off my two-minute warning by just piggybacking off you just a little bit and talking about that rivalry because it was a decade ago when the Bears allowed the Packers into the playoffs and then met them in the NFC Championship game and lost. And ever since the Bears allowed them into the playoffs, since that one game, the Bears were 3-17, and Uh, against Green Bay, and they actually had a winning record uh, in Lovey Smith's era leading up to that point. So this was a very big, I call it like a paradigm shift in this rivalry, was that game right there. The Bears now have an opportunity for the same exact situation to earn themselves the right to go into the playoffs. So if the Bears can find a way to win, beat Green Bay, enter the playoffs, and I know everyone, there's people listening, like, well, the Bears can still go in if they lose, as long as the Cardinals lose as well. And I understand that. That's 100% accurate. And I would definitely take that as a plan B. But as a Bears fan, and as someone has watched the Bears lose to Green Bay as many times as I have over the years, I want to go into the playoffs on our own terms, winning our way in, punching our own ticket, and not allowing another team's loss to be the reason why I'm inside the playoffs. So I want to find a way for the Bears to get in, like I said, on their own terms. And what we saw today, there are a couple concerns to have uh, on both sides of the ball. Don't do whatever the hell that was in the first half which is very reminiscent to the first half of the season. Don't do that again. Work, Do what worked in the second half and do what Bill Lazor and company, they've been kind of building out here in Chicago. And then on defense, Chuck, you got to find the pass rush, and you better find uh, some health for uh, Jalen Johnson out there as well. And then, honestly, Nick, Duke Shelley, he's my nickel cornerback. I don't want to even – Buster's healthy. I don't want him out there. I want Duke Shelley in the nickel because – screen, which is too much of a, an easy target for Aaron Rodgers last time. He was last season, and I just don't want to see that again. But as a Bears fan, this is you know pretty much as of right now, week 16 is playing out exactly how we needed it to. And I'm excited about that. Very excited at the end of the game yesterday, last night, and I'm very excited that the Bears were able to uh, not come out completely flat, find a way to beat Jacksonville, and keep the destiny under their own control, which is really uh, for losing six games in a row to be in this spot here entering uh, the final week of 2020 the first week of 2021 and entering the final week of the NFL season that's awesome uh, I'm glad that the Bears found a way to stick in there have some resiliency and give us uh, a game here in week 17 that means everything because uh, there was a point where I mean we're all looking at changes maybe happening before the season is over so it's it's uh, Honestly, it's awesome to see, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it right here with you, Nick, and uh, I'm excited to have another week of coverage, and we have to treat it like it could be our last.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you, you made that point, Will. It very well could be, and um, I know at times during the season, we're like, we want this to end, especially during this that six-game losing streak. We're like, man, let's get on to 2021, done with this season, but I'm glad this scenario is playing out. We have this... Not winner, winner, go home. Like you mentioned, um, the Bears don't have to necessarily win this game, but I'm glad that we had that the stakes are on the line. That the Bears could potentially get in. If they beat the Green Bay Packers, and yeah, what what more can you ask for? That's like the that's like the storybook ending. But you're just hopeful. You're just hopeful that it actually goes in the Bears' favor this time.
3: That's the hope. We have a whole uh, week to discuss, debate, analyze, freak out. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> yeah. so we're going to feel all the emotions uh, between now and this time next week. It'll be really interesting to see how it all kind of unfolds. Well, I want to everyone here who's been watching live uh, on the stream. I really appreciate you. And, of course, if you're listening to the podcast, no matter where you are in the world, just know that Nick and I really appreciate you just as much. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't yet. Uh, that way you can get all of our live shows notifications, including our live play-by-play reaction shows that we've done now Uh, for three straight weeks. So the Chicago Audibles undefeated uh, when we're doing some of these shows. And make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts that way we can reach more Bears fans just like you. I know I asked uh, last episode for that, and I did have a few people letting us know that they did. So thank you for, A, reaching out, letting me know that you did review. Uh, And, of course, for your kind reviews of our podcast. It really does mean everything to Nick and myself. I don't need to say it, but I will just in case. Up next, we do have to take on the Green Bay Packers. To end our regular season. We'll see what the Bears can do if they can punch their own ticket to the dance, or if we need to be scoreboard watching and hope for some other things to happen outside of it. But I think we all would agree uh, that the first one is the preferred method into the playoffs, but neither of us are going to be all too picky at the end of the day if the Bears can find a way to get into the playoffs here for 2020. We'll talk to you all soon, but until then, have a great victory Monday yet again, and of course, Bear down, Chicago. <laughs>